0: This week's guest is Mallory Lee, who joins the show from Dubai. Originally born and raised in the United States, Mallory left the U.S. without a plan when she was in her early 20s. She bought a one-way ticket to Istanbul and hasn't looked back since. Mallory has lived and worked in Turkey, Greece, Lebanon, and now Dubai. We talk with Mallory about her many experiences working abroad and how this has impacted her career. Mallory is currently working as a brand ambassador for Giffard liqueurs and syrups, spending her time between Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and France. Mallory has a lot of great stories, and this is another terrific episode you'll definitely enjoy. Welcome back to The Industry Podcast, another episode coming your way right now. My name is Kip. This is Dan. What's happening? Well, you know, another another day another hangover yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 well that's good and st- we'll start on your tomorrow's hangover right now yeah correct <laughs> How, how are things going with you what's new with you uh not much man you know how's the business at the bars business is good so i should i keep forgetting to promote my own fucking bars on this show but mm-hmm. uh sugar run in downtown kitchener is getting back to normal it's busy again And uh, you should come check that out. Uh, Check for the password and everything on our Instagram, at Sugar Run Bar. And then the bar uptown Waterloo, Babylon Sisters Wine Bar. It's new. You should come check it out. Uh, It's at Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, things are getting back to normal, so it's good. Perfect, yes. It's been our, what, first full week with uh, no mask requirements? That's correct. We're recording this on the 27th of March, and uh, people can now see my face again at the bar. Oh, well, that's true. So it sucks for them. Yep. Yeah, so that's pretty much uh, all we got to talk about, I guess, eh? yep. Well, we have a great guest, as always. Mallory Lee is going to be joining us in just a second. Um, we should mention that if you like the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you wish to be a guest on the show, you can email us at info at industrypodcast.club, or you can DM us directly at the industry podcast on Instagram. Zach Hanna is our graphic artist who does all the amazing work for our Instagram page. So mm-hmm. you should check out his work at zachanna.co mm-hmm. And as always, just check the show notes for all the links that we talk about during the episode. Yeah. So without further ado, let's uh, bring in Mallory Lee coming to us from Dubai. How are you, Mallory?
1: Good, how are you guys? It's uh, nighttime, as you can see here, yeah? yeah.
0: yeah it's, <laughs> so, it's middle of the afternoon, it's, it's early here. I had to walk over to Dan's house and it's, we're in a fucking blizzard today yeah. and my face is still red from it. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's I'm jealous.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cold here right now. Oh, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> Meanwhile, we're, we're struggling in Dubai, you know, the heat is relentless. So uh, (laughs) good PR for Dubai just now.
0: (laughs) I feel like we would each trade spots right now. Yes. (laughs) All right. So you are, I believe, our first guest who bartends in Dubai. Um, We had a couple missteps with time differences with other people who lived (laughs) in Dubai. But um, so talk to us a little bit. Let's just start right there and then we'll get into your history a little bit. But uh, what's uh, what's the cocktail scene like in Dubai?
1: Yeah, I think, as you can imagine, Dubai, it's crazy. I mean, there's so Mm -hmm. much wealth. And because of that, there's always new places opening. And each one is crazier than the last place. And it has, it's kind of a bit of a turnover in terms of culture. Like you see bars open, they have like five, six year time run, and then they recycle. Then it's another one. So it's very, very fast paced. I think the cocktail culture has really improved. Because now we have bartenders from all over the world. And it's really, really... A diasporic, or it's a melting pot of cultures, and so it reflects obviously in beverage programs, in cocktails, and in restaurants as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I can imagine. So, talk to us a little bit about like what are some of the crazier concepts you've seen in Dubai for a bar? I
1: think, hmm, one of the crazier ones I've seen, I think, just in general, it's crazy because. Everyone you go to, the view is better than the last one. And you think that, you know, you think that you just, you're standing or you're sitting in front of Bush Khalifa, you know, it's like directly in front of you. Or then you go somewhere else and you have a few, like a full skyline of all of Dubai and it's like panoramic views, glass floors. I mean, anything you can imagine, you know, like the other day I had to get like custom ice. And I went to the ice shop. The guy is putting in real gold flakes. Like, you know, not even just edible gold flakes, real gold flakes into the ice. And he was like, oh, man, I messed up this one. He's like, I have to throw it out. You
0: what? know, because the, it, was, it wasn't a
1: perfect sphere. And I was like, maybe we can just let it melt. I mean, I'm not an ice expert. <laughs> I don't think you need to throw it. <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy, you know, like the amount of money that these places put into their venues... And just the high volume, the operation that these places like have to perform at to succeed.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I can't even imagine. OK, well, let's let's back it up a little bit. You, you were you're from New York originally.
1: I'm originally from Bay Area. Then okay. I moved to New York when I was 17. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I kind of moved around a lot. But then I was like 17 to 21 in New York. So, yeah, then I left. But uh, New York is fantastic.
0: <laughs> right. And so that's sort of where you started your career in the service industry was in New York.
1: Exactly. Like right before I left New York, I was working at two restaurants, one in Flatiron called the Breslin and one in Tribeca. So I was at these two places and obviously, like I'm still young, you know, but I mm-hmm. was just so amazed and kind of starstruck by watching the bartenders there and very inspired, you know, by, by what they were doing and the performance behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we were um, going through your bio right before we started recording and we, we were thinking it was pretty fascinating for someone so young to have like done the traveling you did like right from the jump. So when you're 21, you go from there to Istanbul and you did like about a one-way ticket.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, like at the time, nothing ever seems crazy. And then like in retrospect, you kind of were, yeah. I'm kind of like, that's a bit mad, you know? Like, yeah, so I was 21, 21, 22, I think. I buy a one-way ticket to Istanbul, pack all my stuff. I move out of my apartment in Bushwick and I just was like, okay, I don't have a plan because at the time I had been working for a startup in besides doing working at the restaurants, I was working at a startup. So it was like a food. It's kind of like Grubhub, seamless, all of these, but it was, it was in its initial phases. So I was working for them. The company didn't work out. So they were like, okay, everyone's let go. They give us three months severance pay. And I was like, fuck it. (laughs) Right. That was my time. This is the most money I ever had is three month severance pay. You know, (laughs) I'm going to travel. So I buy a one way ticket to Istanbul, no plan, nothing. And everyone is like, who knows me? They're like, you're not coming back. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to say, yeah, just to ease my family. And yeah, of course I'm coming back. In my head, I was like, let's just see what happens. So I was in Turkey. For uh, for a good amount of time. Then from there, I went to Greece and then end up in Beirut. But throughout this time, I'm working different places. So, end up in Beirut and it became, I was there almost five years.
0: Oh, okay, wow. so let's talk about, because I've been to Istanbul and it's it's amazing city, but it's also like crazy populated, <laughs> right? Like, it's just like, you walk the streets and it's just... <laughs> Like it's insane. Like, like I, I don't know how to describe it. It like, reminds me of those scenes you see in like Tokyo of people sl- sl- trying yes. to get on a subway. But uh, the what I don't remember a whole. like I, I'm considerably older than you, and I was there a long time ago. But uh, there wasn't a there certainly wasn't a big craft cocktail scene or anything like that in Istanbul when I was there. It was more like lots of places to drink tea and uh, <laughs> and buy carpets. And uh, <laughs> but then. Most people seem to just drink beer, but uh, maybe you you were there more way more recently than me, so talk to me a little bit about what was going on in Istanbul.
1: I mean, I was there more recently, but that was still. I think now it's eight years ago right. that I was there because it's now I'm going to be 30 this year. So when I was there, I mean, I was still kind of drinking in the same way. E- even though I'm working at a bar, I'm still drinking in the same way if I'm in a hostel, you know. You yeah. go get a, <laughs> you <laughs> go for a beer and then maybe you have like Rocky on the side, which is like their oh, form of like pastille oh. this not even talk this,
0: about it. <laughs> Don't, I, it, it, still, it still turns my stomach when I hear the word. I have one of the worst hangovers of my life on that shit. It's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. You're
1: supposed to you're supposed to be having it like with a barbecue. This is like in general these kind of anise flit, you know based liqueurs that are coming from the region. They should be have with a barbecue, you know. But yeah. Hey, oh my god, Rocky! It's the national spirit. Tuck 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 and. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> You feel it. <laughs> oh,
0: God. Yeah, I'm forget. <laughs>
1: I mean, as far as the bar scene in Turkey, I I remember this one night, and it's funny, I haven't thought about this night in a very long time, but we were not in Istanbul at the time. We were in Izmir, and Izmir is a bit more seedy of a place. It's a poor town, and it's definitely like two worlds, you know? Like, you have your wealthy, and then you have, like, the opposite. So, I don't remember. We're just wandering the street, and we end up in... The, <laughs> we end up in this, like... It's not a brothel, but there's a lot of uh, women coming in and out, you know, and it ends up becoming like the craziest night. And I look back on this. And I'm like, I was so naive, you know, like yeah. it was the first country I had been to by myself. And I was like, yeah, like, uh, of course, I'll couch surf. Oh, yeah, of course, I can do this. Of course, I can do that. And now where I see where I am now, nine years later, I'm like. I would not do that the same yeah. way. If I if I go, if I go back to Turkey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay at a hotel. I'm going to do it this way. Um, but I think the cocktail scene is really go- growing. Like yeah. I know in the South, like Bodrum area, it's a bit more touristic. I know there are cocktail bars. Istanbul also, there's a lot of cocktail bars popping up now. Um, Soho is kind of like the one that's leading over there. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I need to go back.
0: Yeah, me too. It's almost like you talk about these places like all over the world and I think all the time it's like, "Oh, how can there be a cocktail scene there?" But it pretty much the craft cocktail scene has taken over the fucking globe. Like there's almost nowhere yep. you can go now that doesn't have some sort of a scene happening. Would you agree with that?
1: Agreed. 100%. I mean, I guess I'll segue into Beirut now yeah, because when I when I ended up in Beirut, so before Beirut, I was living in a small island in um called Lesvos. It's like closer to turkey but it's a greek island so i was like where am i going to go to next and i was living with this girl from switzerland and she was like go to beirut and i was like it's not even on my radar you know yeah, yeah. so i go to beirut i get drunk in a bar they offer me a job and <laughs> <laughs> i i start working there but baffled like i was baffled by how amazing the cocktail scene was until this day even though i've traveled so much beirut is one of the best scenes for, for cocktails, Uh, cocktail culture, hospitality. They've really perfected hospitality in a way that a lot of places I see haven't. Now it's a bit different because the situation there has gotten pretty rough since 2019. But when I got there 2015, wow, it was uh, incredible.
0: What would you say, uh, can you give us an example of some, uh, a certain way that they're doing service to the next level in Beirut that you don't see in other places?
1: I think it's so like part of Lebanese culture, it's, like Arabic culture, it's that you share everything, right? Like when you have a meal, you share. So like you will see like all the food it's meze style, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be an engagement. It's supposed to be like an act of doing something with someone else as an experience. Like you don't eat to fill your stomach. You eat to, for the company around food is Mm -hmm. kind of how I perceive it. And that translates to the cocktail culture there as well. So like the bartender is so active in making sure that you're having good time on his, behalf, his or her behalf. And they're always, you know, like from the owner, the owner is engaged. You always see the owners in the bars, in the restaurants. They're giving you shots. The staff all know you by name. And also classic cocktails. You could go to almost any bar in Beirut. You can order really classic cocktails, you know, and they're going to know their shit.
0: Mm. That, that's interesting. I, I, something I would never would have guessed and probably you neither before you went there, right?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Like, you know, it's uh, and another thing I think it's like uh, they always say is uh, Lebanese kind of live on this mentality that they... Always have to live it up like every single day because everything is uncertain. Because there's been so much uncertainty in their region specifically that why are you not going to party on a Monday night when you have work the next day, on a Tuesday night when you have work the next day, on a Wednesday night, XYZ? You know, so it's kind of, you know, you walk on the street on a Monday night, it's packed. You know, every, all, all the chairs are packed on the sidewalks. You know, every, every place is booming. And it's like this consistently. And you finish from one place, there's some place that's still open and it just, you can you can keep going
0: <laughs> that's super interesting concept. I never thought about that before, but that makes sense where it's like here in North America we're very privileged, so we don't have a lot to worry about. We're not constantly worried about death coming around the corner, well at least pre-pandemic but uh, <laughs> um, and so as a result, we're almost like too tied into making sure that we make it to work on time the next day and like not that you don't want to do that stuff, but yep. like it's interesting uh, that's an interesting concept how like just almost Fear for your own life leads you to, <laughs> to a more party yeah. atmosphere. But it's, it's a great way to look at it.
1: I mean, this, it's uh, and it's infectious. I think this is the part about Beirut that people who have visited there always say. It's like you become very addicted to the chaotic kind of lifestyle that's there. Not just chaos. I'm not saying, I'm saying, I mean, there's a lot of commotion. How you're saying about Istanbul, you know, it's, yeah. it's busy and it's hectic. But once you understand that kind of chaos within it and you find yourself, your way within it, you, you feel bored in any other city, you know, like sometimes I, I would travel to Europe and I was like, everything is so organized. Everything is so neat. And there's garbage in the trash cans, you know, like (laughs) 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 it's too clean here. And, and I think like, even till now, I, if I could, I would go back, I would go back. But now the situation is a bit tricky.
0: Right. And so you, I I was reading in your bio that like one of the like, well, essentially the reason that you split was because of the revolution, correct? So yeah, ex- what, what I, happened exactly?
1: <laughs> so I had just started working at, they have a bar there called Central Station. And at the time it was top 50. So I was, I was super excited because there's so much, I had just started with them. And basically like a month or so in, we start getting like, Texts on our WhatsApp, you know, they're sending, we're at work and they're like sending videos of like, I don't know, trash bins on fire and like all this stuff going on. I was like, okay, it's, this happens sometimes. Like it's, it's going to be okay, you know, like it's just a flare up, like a political flare up. And then everyone started feeling like it was a bit different, you know, like the next day, really, everyone was on the street. Everyone was protesting and it felt that it was the first time there was like going to be a a big shift, but it also felt a bit dicey. Like I was never until even when I left, I wasn't afraid, but it just felt, okay, it's something's about to happen. And I don't think, and I was already questioning, is it still, is there still more for me to like, what's next for me in this, in this country? You know, like I'm not on, I'm not on a working visa. I'm on a tourist visa this entire time. And so I'd already been thinking about it. So when this happened and there was a few other things also going on in my life, I was like, okay, it's time to go to Dubai.
0: Mm-hmm. And so why did you pick Dubai except for the, maybe the obvious reason it just <laughs> seems like a cool spot to go to,
1: <laughs> you know, because I wanted to stay in the region and Dubai was one of the only places where I had some connections uh not a lot but i was like i have enough to go there without a job and figure my shit out
0: <laughs> right and when did oh so when would you say that you sort of developed your own style of craft cocktailing making drinks and your mm-hmm. own bartending would that be as far back as istanbul or did it really come to fruition in beirut
1: i think really in beirut to be honest you know like i think because one thing that i really liked about all my owners they have like the philosophy that if they if they put you behind the bar, then they trust you behind the bar. Mm-hmm. And so that you get creative freedom because it's like, okay, we were very selective on who we picked. Now we're not going to micromanage them as much. The first place I worked at in Beirut... <laughs> they were very, very strict. Like, it's funny because I got the job because I was drunk. And, like, we were expected ex- we were expected to get drunk there also. But, like, in terms of, like, if a drink gets sent back to the bar, they're throwing the drink at us. Like, who made this drink? Who did this? Da, da, da. Oh, you know, wow. like, it was like an affront to their ego. You know, how dare you make something like this, you know? Right. And it's the, it's the customer. But, you know, it... They were really, really stuck on classics. And so from there, I got a really good found, a really strong foundation, you know, because before I'm doing like, you know, highballs or like beers, very basic. And then from there, it was like, okay, you have to know the anthology of classics Mm -hmm. and you have to do it our way and perfect it. So we couldn't be as creative as we wanted. We could be a bit flexible, but it was still pretty, we were in boundaries. And then the next place I moved to was, I was working at a classic like whiskey cocktail bar. And so it was like, we had like 150 single malts. Um, I mean, it was like a massive, and we had like a lot of gins. I mean, it was a, and it was all like pre-prohibition style. And there, that's when I started getting really much more into it, I think.
0: I've talked to obviously a bunch of bartenders by now. <laughs> Some of that. The one thing that comes up a lot is like how getting that sort of base knowledge of of the classics is is how you end up creating your own style because everything comes from the originals, right?
1: Yes. I agree completely. Like for me, the classics are everything, you know, like if you don't understand the families and how, why they have such longevity in the cocktail anthology, then how can you ever expect you're going to create the next best thing? For me, it's all about understanding, you know, the ratios and like the prep, and then you can get creative. Okay. I need an acid component, then I can be playful or then I, you know, I need a sweetener. Okay, now I can be, but I know the specs or I know the ratios at least. So for me, families are, are very, very important. And I think that, I think that in bartending, people like always skip like one step. It's always a different step, you know, like either you have the families or you, maybe you miss that step and then you jump into like, you're just very creative or then maybe you miss the spirits, eh, knowledge. I mean, so it's always hard to get, Uh, hit every point I think Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. yeah and the people who end up being the most successful are the ones who do that back work and and have all those steps in place I think
1: I I think so too I mean going off that point like the one like whiskey place we were working at we had like 45 classics on the menu so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it was quite a lot and it was like not it was like all the Jerry Thomas classics you know so this but this is amazing you know at the time I mean you because it also you're developing your palate so much like you're developing your palate on a uh, foundation and this is what um i always liked my my owners because they're always like taste every drink you make taste every drink you make like never send a drink out without your tasting it so you before you know it you're, you know exactly what's wrong in, yeah. in in any of your drinks
0: yeah that's like definitely the most important thing is making sure that you are because it serves a dual function like you said, of Like opening up your palate so you can appreciate what something's supposed to taste like. But it's also like if you fucked up in some way, you'll know immediately. But if you don't taste it and just send it out, then.
1: But this, you know, I bring up this point because (laughs) Dubai. So we say Dubai has all of this and X, Y, Z. But there's a lot of places that don't let you taste your cocktails when you're working in Dubai. Hmm. Because every ML, every CL counts. You know, oh. so, so you taste it, they're going to consider you drinking on the job. I was lucky that at least the second place I worked in in Dubai was a bit chilled. But the first place I worked at, I was a bar manager there and I come in. I'm seeing the bartenders are not tasting any of their drink. Why are you not tasting your drink? We can't drink on the job. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) face palm, you know, like, like this is, how can you, how can you serve something that you don't know what it tastes like? How can you recommend something? You don't, you've worked for seven years. You've never tried your drink.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, And the other thing, too, is you don't even have to fucking swallow it at the end of the day, no. right? Like, so like, what are no. we talking about here, right? Like, that's crazy.
1: It's crazy. I mean, I think that that was the hardest adjustment for me coming to Dubai. Lebanon is very, very, you're with the owners every single day, you know? I would finish my shifts and I would be taking shots of, like, Oban or Frenet with my owner. Like, we're sitting. And then I come to Dubai. The owners are looked at, at like some mythological creature, you know? Like, ah, uh, Papa... Papa, this is how they yeah. refer to them. And I'm kind of like, my owners used to used to scrub the stations with me when I closed the bar, you know? They were like on their hands and knees. And because they're with me, I want to work harder. Right. So when we're referring to someone as this like presence, you know, what does it do to the staff? What does it do to the entire line of hierarchy that they've created? It's a, it's a strange uh, dynamic in Dubai, I think.
0: Yeah, that is, and that must be a major adjustment. How was it? So that kind of brings me back into a couple of things I want to talk about. Like, because you've bartended in so many different places, how would you describe the difference in, like, ownership and coworkers? You you started down that path. And then also, like, the crowds, like, the, hmm. the guests in the different areas. <laughs>
1: well, the crowds is an interesting one. But, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, as far as, like, coworkers and uh, so one thing that's very cool about Dubai is, like, You meet people from everywhere, you know, like one of the places I was working at, I think if you if you calculated how many countries were represented, it's like 15 minimum, you know. So it's it's very, very interesting. It's a bit difficult in Dubai because you have two types of like hospitality professionals. You have people who have come in more as migrant workers and they they will kind of take any job they're like work. They, that, you know, they have like someone who would like just puts them into, into different jobs. And so they kind of will fall into hospitality because of that. So it's right. not necessarily like a career ambition, but it's like, okay, fine, I'm here and I'll do this. Then you have the opposite, like more people they are coming from like, I guess, Europe or uh, the States, not so much the States, mostly Europe. And it's like their profession, you know? So it's like, we're professional bartenders, we're professional FMB, And but this creates a very weird divide also, right? Because in your place, in the restaurants, it's it's not like everyone is there because of passion, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like the best, the best alternative. And it's also, Dubai, you're working on huge volume. The volume, the turnover, like an average night, like where I used to work, it's like 450 covers. Mm-hmm. And so you're working on... <laughs> You're, and we're like, wh- that was not even the top one. You know, there's ones with like, I don't know, 750 or 1000. They're doing a night, you know, So it's crazy. So, so you kind of, you kind of become um, a robot in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And unless you're really, really, really passionate about it, it's, and even if you're very, very passionate about it, it kind of, it's hard to maintain the love that you have for it because you're so exhausted because of the hours that are demanded of you because you're working most times six days a week, you know, and you're doing like, you can do 12 hours a day. I mean, it's, Jesus. it's, yeah. And so that was also a huge adjustment for me. I mean, I was in Lebanon. I was working six days a week also, but I'm working five to close. That's normal. This is yeah. fine. You know, here I was doing so many split shifts, you know, it was like, okay, you come in 11, you work till three, then you come back in six and then you close. So you're there till uh-huh. two thirty three. You know, it, it breaks your body. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I think in terms of how F and B, I hope it starts. There's becomes a shift. I hope people start because even the pay doesn't really align with with the hours that that you're putting into it. So I really hope that Dubai advances in terms of uh, uh, restaurants value uh, people who are in the industry because it's a chosen career path and. They value them also in terms of giving them better hours, giving them uh, better salaries, giving them better rest, you know, mm-hmm. because you need you need more than one day off. You need to reset.
0: Yes. Uh, and that, I mean, honestly, that's a problem of, in the industry all over the world still. But it sounds like cool. it's ex- it's very extreme there. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. OK, quick question. Yeah, what's what's tip culture like in Dubai?
1: Mm, tip culture in dubai so we have like service charge that's always like oh, okay. attached okay. it's like 10 percent service charge but this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to the staff so people get confused on this they'll read on their oh. check 10 percent service charge but sometimes we're not seeing it it depends it depends right so sometimes oh it's going for breakage or oh it's going for xyz i mean it's not it kind of disappears so we were always pushing people to tip cash directly mm-hmm. i mean You have places, you know, they have insane, their bills will be, they can go up to like $15,000, you know, their bills (laughs) people, people are spending. So you have, you have, you have two sides, you know, you have the sides where they're spending so much, they are going to give you so much tips. Uh, And then you have like average, like I would say between five to to 10% on top of the service charge, but the, but the drinks are so expensive, are so expensive.
0: Yeah, like, like give us an idea, of sort of. Uh, yeah, the baseline. Yeah.
1: I think I think in dollars, the baseline would be like very good at math. Clearly, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would say like twenty-two dollars is starting.
0: Oh, Jesus, yeah. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start bringing that here to Canada.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 mind you, guys, it's um, a single serve is a thirty, a three cl.
0: Oh, really? A thirty ml. Wow.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you the opposite. In In Lebanon, a single serve is a 60. Mm. And it's amazing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, pe- people, people were coming from Dubai and they were coming to Lebanon and they were like, okay, can I get a, can I get a double? We're like, yeah, sure. You want a 120?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I made that mistake in the. US several times too <laughs> okay so let's talk a little bit about the the guests in all these different countries like how would you describe the difference between like the guests you're getting in Istanbul in Greece in Beirut in Dubai all over yeah
1: they're so fun honestly like I would say between all of the places I mean they really want to to... I'm going to kind of separate Dubai a bit. I'm, I am feel like yeah. I'm hating on Dubai and I'm really not hate. I don't hate Dubai, but <laughs> <laughs> I just think there's things that need to be improved within right. the F&B sector. But, um, like, the other three countries, like, it's a really fun vibe and it's kind of like everyone, if you don't know the person next to you, you know them by the end of the night. And it's a very fun, like, you go out and it's... I mean, it's like a New York bar in a lot of ways, you know? It's um, very inclusive, I always felt. I always felt that, you know, even... I remember, I remember like just sometimes I, when I was working, I would kind of look out and I would watch how, what, like everything that's going on because, you know, you kind of center yourself. You're like, Holy fuck. You know, like what am I doing here? You know, like, how did I end up here in my life right now? Like I'm 24, I'm in Beirut. And now, yeah. so I would take a moment, center myself. And it, I always felt the camaraderie, I guess, in the cultures and, I felt very, even I felt very included. I never felt, uh, I never felt like outside. I didn't, and I didn't, I felt that they were very inclusive. Dubai, it's like a bit more insular. And I don't know if it's because of COVID. Like I have only been here two and a half years. Like I'm going into three. Right. So, so I came of out it like an after during an awful- the
0: pandemic, yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of it yeah, during yeah. the pandemic, yeah. So but it is generally I find a bit more insular, like you know, you take your table, you stay on your table, um that's it for the night and uh I mean you see the same regulars but it's I didn't I didn't make as many friends from the regulars as I did in other countries, you mm-hmm. know? Like so many of my best friends became from the people I saw every day at the bar. And right. here in Dubai it was like because I think because it's so expensive in Dubai, it's a a certain type of class goes to the bar specifically. And so uh, it's not necessarily the people that I would hang out with every single day, just because it's really, really expensive to go out here.
0: Right. So obviously you're getting a lot of very wealthy people at the bar all the time. I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of wealthy people can be real assholes to service staff. So (laughs) do you have any terrible stories from like being treated like shit?
1: you know in not so much i mean i have actually one it's funny i have one from when i was working in lebanon i had a guy i was working on the bar and he slapped me with his phone across the face What? and then it started (laughs) i don't know why i mean i was like dude and i know him he was like a regular he was like and then obviously like all the guys i was working with you know went crazy and yeah, yeah. They, they kicked him out, you know, but, hmm. but I, I don't think that was wealth related. I think that was an anger management problem. Yes. Yeah, um, like- <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why, uh, but in Dubai, no, not so much. I think it's more the kind of the comments you get, you know, like, ah, you're an American. What are you doing here? Or just side side jabs. Like, I guess something must have gone wrong in your life for you to end up being my server tonight. You know, oh, oh, okay. Fuck. Like, it's, yeah, you yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, this kind of thing, but uh, nothing, nothing uh, too bad.
0: <laughs> okay. So at some point you transition into doing the, you're working for Gifford Liqueurs.
1: Exactly, Giffard. Yeah, Almost,
0: yeah. Uh, close. You can say it the French I, I, way, Giffard? Giffard. exactly. And so, so, talk to us a little. How do you land that gig? Uh, what do you do for them? You can plug the products if, if you want to. Now
1: <laughs> we can plug the products. <laughs> yeah. You can see them here on my back bar display. No, <laughs> no. So this was super cool. You know, like when I first moved to Dubai, I was looking for jobs and I was applying to like a lot of different things, and I I know like I saw an opening for a brand ambassador for the distribution team of Jeffard here. So if you're not familiar with Jaffard, Jeffard is like a French liqueurs company. They're based in Angers and they're since 1885. So they have liqueurs, syrups, like a range of fruit for mix, which is like purees and sauces. That's my only, uh,
0: <laughs> my brand plug there. There it is.
1: So, So I was like, okay, cool. Like for me, I was kind of, I've been like, it was like seven years in hospitality. I was like, I'm ready to transition into something else. So like, I'll just apply. Maybe I can do sales. I hear nothing back. And I was like, okay, whatever. Already I had started working as a bar manager. So I was not thinking about it. Like three months later, I get an email from the regional director and he was like hey you had like a really interesting cv and he was like but we picked someone else we're just waiting on them to sign blah 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 and i was like it's it's fine because i wasn't really looking to be a brand ambassador for a distribution because it's a bit it's not always stable those jobs so i told him like no worries like let's just like come to the bar where i work and like come have a drink and so he was like okay cool so we came to have a drink at the bar I was working at. We like really got along very well. And I told him, look, if anything comes up, like just stay in contact. I'm not expecting anything, but like we had like a nice conversation. So I don't hear anything back. And then like eight months later, they were doing, uh, they were featuring a like a bartender for a magazine called Caterer Magazine. And so they contacted me. They said, Mallory, can we feature you? Uh, we need this from you. I said, yeah, Sure. So they come to the bar, they shoot. And I think in a lot of ways that was like kind of um, marketing wanted to see how I would do behind a camera and they wanted to see how I, how I could act, you know, if I, if I at least had presence when I'm standing behind a camera and I have to talk. So we do the shoot. Um, I think I don't, they asked me to do one more shoot with them and I'm still not thinking about anything. You know, I was just um, like, cool. I mean, these guys, they're really fun. Let's see what happens. And then in January of last year, I got contacted by the regional director. He was like, OK, we're opening up uh, applications for like UAE brand ambassador. Are you interested to apply? I like, Fuck yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so we do the whole application and it's it takes so long. So started in January and it was like seven rounds of interviews. And then in July of this year, I was in Ukraine and then they gave me a call. Congratulations. So it was um, a bit rigorous, like they, it was really, you have to do so many different levels to get to the next, but uh, it's been amazing, honestly.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And so what do you specifically do for them?
1: Yeah, so I hear, so I'm kind of like seen as like the tool for sales and the tool for marketing. So uh, I work really closely with our distribution teams here. So here we have basically four different distribution teams. And I will do training for all their sales teams in terms of like product knowledge. If, for example, they have a customer who is interested in starting with our product, then I will go. I'll do a demonstration. I'll do a drinks presentation. I can do staff trainings for their staff. I also do like a lot of master classes, and yeah, just kind of like you're the face of of the brand. Now. I'm working, so originally I was just UAE, and now I'm starting to branch out to do covering MENA region, which is honestly super cool. So I just got back from Cairo like a week and a half ago. So we launched Jifard in Egypt two weeks ago. So that was huge.
0: And are you still working in a bar right now as well? No, no, you're just doing no. this. Okay. I so I was gonna say, yeah. How the fuck are you doing the six days a week? And then...
1: <laughs> I am retired. <laughs> uh, good
0: for you. Uh, not bad yeah. at 29.
1: Yeah, <laughs> You know, even like I have, I have some, like now when I travel for work, you know, I remember the first time I was traveling, like back in September, They're like, okay, Mallory, like you have to get your tip, your ticket to France. And like, I'm still like in the. Uh, Traveler mindset, you know, I'm like on Skyscanner looking for like the cheapest ticket. My director is like, what are you doing? Go on Emirates. <laughs> yeah. Buy the ticket.
0: <laughs> you don't need to
1: find the best deal. <laughs> so it's, um, it's been a very surreal experience. I find it also very humbling because I didn't expect this to happen. You know, right. I, I, when I look back kind of at how the last eight, nine years have gone, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing, especially to be. And again, I don't mean to harp on your age, but you're so young to have yeah. already like done, had all these experiences in different bars, and uh, different uh, areas of the world, and now you're you're pretty much already able to hang it up and do the ambassador thing. That's amazing. You must. Yeah, yeah.
1: It. <laughs> I feel I I feel very excited. I feel very humbled. I think by the whole thing. You know, it's um. Yeah, I just I don't think I saw it happening this quickly. I think that for a lot of people, they knew that like at one point I wanted to become a brand ambassador, but it's so competitive and it's so difficult. And I didn't think it was actually like plausible, you know? I didn't, uh, I, because it's so competitive, especially in UAE, you know, like for a position like this, it's it's a coveted position. So mm. no, it's been really, really cool. And we're super small, our team, it's just me and the regional director and we're doing Middle East and it's, um, yeah, it's been fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, now you're back in the travel scene, which is obviously appeals to you as well, because you clearly like to travel around the world. So you've sort of gotten to combine both of your joys here. When During the pandemic, when you were sort of <laughs> shuttered in, I can't imagine anything worse for you. But like, how did you, especially when you're there in Dubai, you moved out there by yourself. Like, how did you get through that? What did you do during the...
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had basically right before I, right before COVID I had found my own apartment and it was because they have like a lot of staff accommodations. So I was in staff accommodations, which is like shared living, but like three weeks before the pandemic or before lockdown, I took my own apartment, but it was a studio. I think it was like 350 square meter, no balcony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, whatever, <laughs> I'm just moving in here, you know? Yeah. And then it was locked down and it was the first time I've slowed down in a long time. It was mm-hmm. the first time. I mean, I kind of structured it as a very, I'm very, I became very regimented, which is weird because I think I had to in order for like my psyche. Like I would wake up. I love writing a lot. And so I would like write in the morning and then I would do, I think I was in the best shape of my life when I, during COVID. I was working out like two or three. I had nothing else to do. Like yeah. <laughs> I can't leave it. But you know, the one good thing, I, I mean, a really UAE handled it in a, in a great way. As far as as far as covid, I mean, we were basically in lockdown for two and a half months during that time. You can't leave the house without a permit. So you have to download a police application. You have to have a permit. Even I was going to the pharmacy. The police stopped me. Show me your show me your permit. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. because of this and like there was fines, you don't have your mask on. It's this amount. Second second offense, this amount, third offense. I mean, they had so many rules in place and it was very, very, very intense. But by July of 2020 restaurants were open, not full capacity, like 40% capacity, but we didn't suffer as much as everyone else in fnb because like, for example, you know, you could only have nine people on a table. I, th- I think this is how much it was. You can only have nine people on a table. If it's an IED, if a, like a official comes in, they see your restaurant has more, boom, first fine, then second fine. So they were very regulated, but at least like, we still had salary, uh, we still, I mean, we didn't have people sitting on the bar, Um, So during this time The restaurant I was working at We took a section for bartenders And we would work on the floor Just to make tips So the bar staff We have our tips But we didn't feel it As much as everywhere else I mean, till now Just last week We could take our masks off outside Inside we still have to wear masks I mean, it's very, very strict And at first I was like "Uh," You know, like How can they do this to us? I want this, I want this, you know But we didn't suffer You know, we were July 2020 Out of lockdown We never went back in lockdown
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, uh, we handled it a lot differently here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite like Florida style. Yeah, no, <laughs> But still not great. <laughs> yeah, back and
1: forth, yeah, back
0: and forth. Just, so. uh, and all these, we had the, all these really crazy illogical rules where, like, uh, there was a stretch where you could only have 10 people in your bar, no matter the size of the bar, no matter what your capacity was, and you had to close at 9 p.m. <laughs> <no Yeah>. sense. <laughs> these
1: these uh, these curfew rules i mean honestly to be fair as a bartender because we had some curfew rules here it was amazing when yeah. they were like okay 10 o'clock go home
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Send me yeah. home. Well, uh, yeah, so from the
0: ownership side, it's way shittier because we uh, the one the my one bar we didn't even, we don't even get busy till eleven, so that's like, like we had to be closed at nine. And I'm like, oh, this is
1: uh, uh, uh,
0: all right. Well, yeah, Mallory, funny. you don't seem like a type of person who's gonna be satisfied in one position or spot for too long. So, like, I, you, you're happy with your new job now because at least you get to travel. Yeah. But, like, what do you think's <laughs> in the future for you?
1: I mean, honestly, you know, like I think that it is just the transition of going from uh, industry to kind of being behind the scenes a bit has been a big learning curve for me. Like I didn't, I didn't know so much about sales and distribution before, and I find it very fascinating. I feel like I have so much room to improve in a lot of things. And also I feel like as I, as I start taking on more of like Middle East, North Africa, this is uh I mean this is quite a project, right? This is yeah. this is a massive this is a massive market and I feel like that's one thing I really like about my job now it's like every day um learning something new and it's not consistent. I mean it's not a routine. Yeah, right. I'm not having I'm not having a repetitive days um mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think it'll take me a while to get bored. I did. However, I told, uh, I told France that I want to intern at their R&D site. So I want to learn how liqueurs are produced. I want to, like, I want to intern with their specialists and spend like a couple months at some point uh, really focusing on that because that's super
0: cool. <laughs> I'm sure they love hearing that too. Cause it's like, yes. you're not just, yeah, you're not just in it for the, they're like, kick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're like, well, Mallory, you want to go to the lab? They're like, you might get bored after two weeks in the lab. And I was like, no, I want to
0: go to the lab. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Mallory. That was super interesting. Of course. you got a pretty interesting life but we're a little mm-hmm. very jealous. We're stuck in a fucking blizzard outside, right?
1: <laughs> 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 a hungover blizzard. Yeah. yeah, hungover yeah. A hungover
0: blizzard. is the worst kind. Uh, <laughs> well thanks again for doing this let us know uh let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and learn about your brands
1: yeah sure so our brand on instagram it's Giffard underscore liqueurs underscore syrups that's like the international page and then my instagram it's mal m-a-l jiffard g-i-f-f-a-r-d for instagram
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks it. again. <laughs> uh, we'll let you go to sleep now. If that's uh, it's about that time for you, probably. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again Thank for doing guys. this. Thanks for uh, having yeah, awesome. Great meeting you. Bye Bye-bye.
1: bye.